Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for yet another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. Episode 19, so happy to share the conversation I had with Fatima Zaidi, the VP of Business Development for 88. It's a Toronto-based creative communications agency, commentator for Global News, chair for DYPB Conference, a content writing for Huffington Post and BetaKit, was named Marketing Magazine's Top 30 Under 30 Marketers and Brand Developers for 2016. Fatima shares many insights and tips for the sales and marketing professionals who are looking to grow. And she actually goes over her six steps of hacking sales. But before getting started, special shout outs to my media partners, IT World Canada, for the overwhelming support. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Fatima. Thank you so much. Before we jump in, can you perhaps give a small introduction, tell the listeners who Fatima is. What do you like to do when you're not uh, building businesses? Oh, goodness. That's a loaded question. Well, I'm Fatima Zaidi. I'm the Vice President of Business Development at a communications agency in Toronto called 88. What do I like to do when I'm not scaling businesses? Well, I'm a commentator for Global News. I like to content write for publications like Huffington Post and BetaKit usually around topics to do with hacking outbound sales and diversity in tech and business. I'm an advisor to a company called Final Blueprint. I like to keynote and moderate at conferences. Um, I'm also co-chair of North America's largest personal branding conference called Discover Your Personal Brand. And my most recent project is also sponsoring Syrian families. Very cool. So many things that you're doing and it's such an inspiration. And I'm definitely going to try to delve into a number of the things you mentioned like hacking sales <laughs> and, and the DYPB of conference. Let's start off with your current role at 88. Can you tell us what you do and perhaps what you're trying to accomplish with the role now? Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, we're a communications agency based out of Toronto. We specialize in public relations, graphic design, and digital marketing. We mainly work with tech, consumer, and lifestyle brands. And I would say we have, at any given time, about 10 to 20 clients. Um, Some of our clients include Fedora, the food delivery app, Sony, Yellow Pages, PayPal, and then in the startup tech community, companies like Collage, Next Canada, Flixel, um, the National Ballet School, and of course, my old company that I used to work at Rent Frock Repeat. As soon as I left, I brought them on as clients. I think, as with most other functions, the main objective as VP of business development is to take care of all inbound and outbound business. So I would like to say that my specialty and area of expertise would be sales. Um, But I also work on increasing our client roster through partnerships and brand building and events, media coverage, and a lot of networking. I mean, you talked about in and out of business, sales partnerships, and, and it really rolls into what I'm really interested in. as As a sales leader, I mean, it's seemingly you've been doing business development for probably your entire career, almost 10 years. And, and I'm really curious if you could share how you were able to grow. And you just mentioned that your old company, Rent Frock Repeats. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not going to say the numbers that, that, that I've read out there, but perhaps you could share uh, your accomplishments as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Rent Frock Repeat is a dress rental company. They rent out high-end designer clothing for a fraction of the retail cost, saving customers time, money, and closet space. It's really great when you have a gala to go to or a wedding and you don't want to drop $1,000 on a dress that you probably will never wear again. So I got uh, involved in, with the company back in 2012, and uh, I met with the founder, Lisa DeLorme, and Christy founders, Christy Weber, and they asked me to come on board to really help them scale the company, to you know bring them from, I don't know, like the 2,000 members that they had, and then by the time I left, we were at 100,000. So really, I think that there was... It was multifaceted, the approach that I took with the company, but it was a combination of closing partnerships. So when I won the 30 Under 30 Marketing Magazine um, award, you know, people kept asking me, how did you close 200 par- partnerships within the spam of two years? And I always say, through one handshake at a time, through attending networking events. I think networking events have been really a catalyst for my career in really helping me build my brand, but also the company's brand. Um, I really had to get creative in my approach, so I really looked at it from a strategy perspective. I wanted to hit our target audience in ways that other companies had never done before. So one of the things that I did was I started partnering with every charity organization in Canada. The reason I did that was because when you go to a charity gala, and there's thousands of them, there's a, there's a gala every day in Toronto, everyone needs a dress. So I partnered with them and they would bring in people to rent. They would promote us on their end, get the word out about our company, and then we would donate a percentage of our sales. So I put together this program called Rent the Dress, Donate the Rest, and it became viral. Every person going to a gala, we would be on tickets, we would be on their website, we would be in their silent auctions, we would be at the galas. And I think that everyone just, it was word of mouth marketing, really, that's what it was. We did a similar thing for the bridal industry, for brides who, you know, bring in their bridal party and you know you're never going to wear your bridesmaid dress again you're never going to wear you know the rehearsal dinner dress again the engagement dinner dress again so anytime a bride brought in her bridal party we would donate a percentage of the of the sales for her wedding fund so really it's putting together creative ways to tap into your industry and target audience women is our target audience or was our target audience so what we did was I started partnering with every women's organization women's executive network women of influence, um, wherever I saw our market was sitting at, I would close a partnership with them in some way. And it's about giving back as well. So it's value add coming up with creative ways that you can help them. And then in return, they really help promote and push the word out about your organization. It's really interesting. And one of the things that what you're mentioning there was really understanding who, who you're targeting. And you mentioned charity. What I really want to know is, it, it sounds like a very creative, and, and I don't want to overuse the word, but uh, way to get that word of mouth out. Could you share with us how you got to that actual solution that, that you were working with and saying the charity, was it through all your networking and it came out, out of a conversation that helped? aha, this could be a great idea because Mm -hmm. this just doesn't come out of nowhere. It was actually really just personal experience. So I was invited to go to Motion Ball, which is, um, it's a charity gala thrown for the um, Special Olympics Foundation, a really great cause. And I was sitting there and I was stressed about, you know, what I was going to wear. I didn't want to spend a lot of money on a dress that I knew. It was 
I was black tie theme, so I had to get a gown from somewhere. And, you know, really, I was like really fortunate because I was working at Rent for Aqua Pizza. I'm like, of course, renting is the option. And then I'm like, well, if I feel like this, I'm sure there's a million other people who feel like this. So I called up a bunch of my girlfriends who were also invited to go. And I was like, well, what are you wearing? They're like, oh, we've been so stressed out. And then they were like, oh, I was like, well, why don't you rent? And they were like, oh, that's such a brilliant idea. And I was like, well, if this is just my network and this is how we feel, then I'm sure every single gala um, attendee feels the same way. So I really reached out to the gala organizers and the founders for almost every gala in Toronto and actually then Canada wide. So I scaled it across the nation and everyone felt the same way. They thought it was brilliant. And, you know, sometimes to get them interested, you have to be really creative. So I would sponsor their dresses. And as soon as you agree to sponsor one of their dresses or even the committee's dresses, they're on board. And eventually over time, because all the industry is so connected, it became like very word of mouth. One gala heard about us from another gala, from another gala. And eventually by the end of my time there, I had people reaching out to me and asking if they could sign up on this program. Again, it was, you know, we started off one organization at a time and then it just multiplied um, extensively. And I think that that really was my approach. And then I obviously had other um, strategies in place that helped augment that. So I did a lot of media and TV segments. So I would go on air, like global news, and I would do a makeover for, you know, four deserving women. So we would, you know, get hair and makeup done. We would put them in a beautiful dress. And then, you know, viewers could see that there was a service out there that really do change people's lives. Um, I would write for publications on, you know, how Rent Frock Repeat has become a part of the collaborative consumption economy. But I mean, it just goes to show that personal branding is so important. And I think that is the approach that I've taken in everything that I've done in my career. It's really interesting um, just hearing that story and the way you're able to increase your market and your market share through creative partnerships. And you consider yourself also a sales professional Mm -hmm. as well. So I'm really interested to hear some of your thoughts, some of the lessons, and perhaps your theories about your hacking outbound sales. Uh, well, it's you know, sales hacking sales refers to anything that's productivity that's a productivity shortcut or a skill or a novelty method that's used to increase efficiency. I think the goal of outbound sales hacking is to get the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. I guess it really depends on what industry you're in, whether you're brand side, whether you're agency side, but because I'm in an agency role now, I will speak to the agency world. I think that the top 10% of the industry, those, you know, sales professionals who are full of hustle and who are the true professionals call their prospects with purpose. And I think that is so important. You have to effectively reach your prospective clients in a very creative way. So I actually have like a six step ritual that I always follow in, in my career. And I think that, you know, I'll share that with you today and take from it what you may, but I think that it's really helped me close sales. And I think that at 88, we have an amazing close rate with our sales. And I think that this is, this is really the formula. The first is to get creative. I always say that, um, tailored contact and tailored connections beats aimless communication every time. So when I want to reach out to a company that's in our dream client list, I always have to find a really creative way of doing it. So for example, when 88 found out that Warby Parker, the eyeglass company was moving to Canada from New York, uh, they were launching a new store. We were so excited because we absolutely love, love their pro- their product. What we did was we created a campaign, a poster with ca- iconic Canadian celebrities like Justin Bieber and Arlene Dickinson and Margaret Atwood all wearing their shades. 
and the tagline was Warby Parker looks good in Canada and you know we did a lot of media relations we were covered in international headlines and we had them reaching out to us by the end of it if I had sent them an email saying hi you know my name's Fatima I work at 88 there would have been no point of contact um, we had to get really creative with our approach Fedora, our, our, one of our clients, wanted to do something creative for Valentine's Day. So we, um, we generated, we created an aphrodisiac menu that people could order off of. And then we partnered them with Durex. And anyone who ordered off of this aphrodisiac menu got a package from Durex as well. And everyone was talking about it and everyone was reaching out to us. And it created a lot of inbound lead gen. So I would always say that, you know, whatever, and we have a ton of examples like this. Whatever you do, make sure that you're, you're reaching out with purpose and you're adding value rather than, you know, doing a sales pitch and, you know, it not being tailored. I get a million emails a day, and if it sounds generic and templated, I never respond. I guess the second step would be internal campaigns are so important when you're an agency, so you need to develop a personal brand for your company. For example, we created a online game called Agency or Porn. It's actually a really addictive, fun game. It is, you know, it's a game where basically you have to distinguish whether a name is an adult film or an agency name. It's actually really fun. And, you know, when we created this microsite, people were, you know, people went nuts. It's so much fun. It brands us as, you know, quirky and, and we have a great sense of humor and we're open and we're progressive. And we were covered in international headlines all the way in Lithuania and Japan. So it just goes to show when you create good content and brand yourself and promote that brand, it really is a great opportunity for lead gen. Um, I think that it's also really important to specialize in something. So while you're personal branding, pick a niche that you can step into to make a difference. I think 88 has done a really good job. I know that we're known for specializing in tech PR. We're like really out there in the tech world. We were early adopters. We've always been early adopters of tech. We were one of the first agencies in Toronto to build a chat bot. And you know, that was very strategic at the end of the day that distinguishes us from every other agency. And we've really helped hone that through our internal campaigns. The third step would be to develop online and offline tactics to consistently stay newsworthy and to stay top of mind with people. So whether you're speaking at events, whether you're going to conferences, whether you're involved in the community, networking events, partnerships, whatever it is, you know, I'm constantly doing webinars, Twitter chats, Facebook lives. If you're on my social media channels, there's never a dull day. Like I'm constantly trying to stay newsworthy and I do the same thing for 88. Like we're very, very involved in the community and I think everybody knows that we're one of those agencies that's kind of everywhere. And I think that's important. A step four is partnerships. So I'm a huge advocate of you know creating like-minded partnerships. When I joined 88 um, back in January, the first thing that I did was put together 15 to 20 um, agency partners that offer complementary services to what we do. So if we do PR, they do something completely different like paid media or virtual reality or development, things that we don't do. And then what we do is refer business back and forth. When we have people reaching out to us for say digital marketing, oftentimes they need development as well or they need community management and we don't do any of that so we send that business off to our our partner agencies and they do the same thing for us and then we've also built this really strong community where we're always looking out for each other intel sending each other rfps co-hosting events together every month i do a lunch and learn with one of our partner agencies where we bring in 10 of our clients and they bring in 10 of their clients and it's a very organic way of expanding your network in a way that isn't sales worthy and you're adding value so I think it's so important to find where your target audience might be and creating those partnerships.
that are that are win-win. Um, I think number step number five is building a solid rapport. You're having a strong network is so important, and I think that networking is really an art. So. There are many different ways that you can do it. So like I mentioned, we do lunch and learns with current clients and prospective clients. Um, it's a good way for us to stay top of mind and also add value. So we'll, we'll do them for free. We don't charge anything for them, but it's a good networking opportunity for us. And again, like I think that networking events can be really daunting and you know challenging for people, but it's just finding out a way that works best for you. And you don't have to necessarily network at an event. It can be, you know, volunteering an event. You can be a panel. You can be a judge. Just find something that works for you. And I guess the last piece of advice that I would have is remain unemotional. Um, don't get upset when prospects are unenthusiastic about reaching back out to you. Um, I find that oftentimes with salespeople, a feeling of rejection can develop, making it hard for people to reach out over and over again. Um, I always say, don't take this rejection personally. Approach your sales quota analytically. Everything should be done in sales from an analytical perspective. So yeah, those are my six steps of you know how I would add value in sales, but I'm sure it can be different industry to industry. I was just busy here writing notes on the six steps, and I'd love to share that to our listeners out there, and I'll probably put it on the episode page if you do have this and something to share as well to the listeners, because just listening to that, it, you really created a process to help whether you're an agency or any sales professional for that matter, create value and really grow it. And, and, and it comes down to that, that hustle. It, it got me thinking as well. And if there are any experiences that, that you could share that when you're looking back that helped you or what was the turning point of your career that got you to who Fatima is today? Yeah, so um, I actually had a very definitive period in my life that was sort of a turning point. So I actually, when I graduated from university, I came from a very traditional, conventional family where, you know, you get a degree and then you get a second degree and then you work your way up in the corporate world. And so that's exactly what I did. I graduated from U of T, got my business degree and then um, joined a corporate company. And then from there, I joined my second corporate company, which is Thomson Reuters. And I wasn't exposed to this incredible world of startups and I didn't have like I didn't know anything about this world. And so during my time in Reuters I I just was so frustrated with the red tapes and the silos and the divisions of the corporate life. I found that like everything is very very structured and process oriented and you know there isn't a lot of autonomy to be creative and to sort of break through those barriers. And so that was my saving grace because I met Erin Burry, who is now my managing director. She actually introduced me to Lisa DeLorme and Christy Weber, who were starting a company, a little boutique at the time that we didn't realize would become this nationwide phenomena that it is, Rent Frock Repeat. And, you know, she introduced me to them and, well, she sent over an email and said, you know, two of my friends are starting this company. I think that it's worth having a conversation with them. It could be really cool. Because I didn't know anything about the startup world, I said no. I was like, I'm not interested. I uh, don't think it's a good fit. It sounds like a really big risk. And Aaron was like, you know what? Just do me a favor and have coffee. That coffee was the single biggest turning point in my career because I was exposed to this whole other world of, yes, it's risky, but the rewards were so great. And now 
building that company from scratch and then moving over to this startup here, I could never go back to the corporate world. So again, I, my advice to people listening is put yourself out there. You don't know what you don't know and take risks. I think we are at an age where we can take risks right now and now is the time to do it. And really what it sounds like is uh, you really have no reason to say no to a coffee meeting. You really don't. And that's, that's the other thing is I, I learned from that experience that always go for that coffee meeting, always have that conversation. You never know when one opportunity turns into another one. And I think that that has also been a huge catalyst in my career that I've always been a yes person. Um, I've always said yes. And even if I don't know how to do something, I will, I will take on the opportunity and I'll figure out how to do it later. And then that opportunity will snowball into something else. And I've had the craziest things thrown in my way. I once had um, a producer from Canada's smartest person, see me on global TV and reach out to me and said, we're doing this reality TV show. Can you please come on? And I went through the entire, I was like, I am not Canada's smartest person there. This is absolutely absurd, but I said yes anyways. And I, was in a room with Canada's smartest people and I went through the entire process, almost made it to live shows and that didn't end up working out, but it led to this other opportunity, which was me becoming a judge for the Canadian Retail Awards. So like I say, put yourself out there and even if it doesn't go somewhere, it'll open up to another opportunity. You're the chair of the upcoming DYPB conference. Um, Fatima, can you tell us more about this and perhaps, and you might've shared it already, in terms of your six steps of hacking, but tell us why you are passionate about personal branding. So I think personal branding really allows you to become a thought leader and a subject matter expert in a topic of your choice. So for example, I've always been very, very passionate about sales and business development and contributing to a company's bottom line. So that is what I chose to build my personal brand around. And I think it's so important. We all know when we're looking for a new job, you it's not what you know, it's who you know. And your network is so important. Your network knows you for your personal brand. The stronger your personal brand, the stronger your network will be. And, you know, let's face it, when we're about to meet somebody for the first time, we're about to join a company, or about to hire someone, the first thing we do is Google them. And a personal brand allows you to become Googleable. If, you know, when I Google your name and the only things that come up are pictures of you drinking tequila in high school, then it's not going to help you stand out. So I think having a strong personal brand is so important. So DYPB is North America's largest personal branding conference. It's uh, on August 11th and 12th, and it's hosted at the TELUS Tower. It's sponsored by TELUS. I think that... uh, the, one of the reasons that, you know, Bobby, the founder, and I, you know, are part of this conference is we think starting a personal brand is actually very difficult and a lot of people don't know where to start. I think anyone can do it, but it's about having the right resources in place and knowledge is power. And I think Bobby and I both do really understand the importance of personal branding and we started early on in our careers. So we really want to share that experience with other people, but also bring in people who are experts in that space. So Erin Burry, um, our managing director, is like a huge personal branding guru, and she was a speaker last year. And, you know, Vicki Saunders from CEO is going to be a speaker this year. So I think it really, um, it, we're putting together uh, a roster of people in a room who understand the importance of branding and are happy to share that with the world. And I think that that is such an important message. That's no, great. Bobby is amazing. I, I, learned of Bobby a number of years ago uh, because he was building his his brand (laughs) and he does a lot of online and I was 
very happy and grateful for him to to be on my show here on the business leadership and he shared a lot in terms of networking and and how he balances his time between business and having a healthy family life so he's definitely a great person to listen to and really hear from when it comes to personal branding and and when it comes to that and we talked about it a lot me and bobby in terms of time management fatima what do you do for your time management? I mean, you're doing so many things right now. Yeah, I don't have a lot of uh, work-life balance. I'm going to be like very honest about that. I hardly sleep, and my boss, Aaron, is always constantly getting mad at me. But I always believe that work-life balance is balance over time. I've said that my 20s and my 30s are to work my ass off, and then my plan is to you know slow it down in my 40s, and... Yeah, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with, you know, work being the center of my life right now. That is my priority. And yeah, I don't have a lot of work-life balance. Managing my time can be really, really hard. I constantly have a million projects on the go, and I wouldn't have it any other way. No, that's amazing. And I I like the drive and the hustle. And it's definitely true you could focus more in terms of your work when you're you're still within your younger career. or your earlier part of your career, and it seems like you have that focus. So I think I, I give you all the credit to that. And when, when it comes to that and who you look up to, and you mentioned Aaron a lot and Bobby, but who are your biggest influences when it comes to business leadership? Um, you know, I've had a few mentors in this space that um, I've, uh, you know, really helped me grow in this space. Uh, I would say that Erin has obviously been one of them. I think I've given her a few shout-outs on this podcast, so I'll maybe uh, talk about somebody else. Lisa DeLorme has also been a huge influence in my life. She is the founder of Rent, Frock, Repeat, and I worked with her for a number of years during my uh, time there. And I think that it's so interesting because I feel that women really need to do a better job of stepping up and inspiring and empowering each other. And I think that these two women have played such a strong and prominent role in my life that I can only imagine if everybody was sort of on the same mindset, what a better place uh, we would be in. And I think Lisa really, you know, she used to be the VP. She's been a VP of sales her whole life in the corporate space. And then when I came under her wing, I really learned a lot of grit and hustle and resourcefulness from her. And, you know, I think a lot of a lot of the skills that I possess are sort of shadowed by her. And yeah, I think it's really important. A great boss is a game changer. And I think that more than the job, pick a pick a mentor or a boss and work for them because in, being inspired and motivated every day is is truly what it's about. And having someone that helps them that motivates you, it probably and you could correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't even feel like work anymore. No, it really doesn't. Like my time at RFR didn't it. It became my identity and it became my, my child. That company is still such an important part of my life. And it didn't feel like work. I was truly so invested in their well-being and it didn't feel like it was a job that I was going to every day. It felt more like a movement and something that was much bigger than I was. And I know when it comes to learning and finding mentorships or, or even getting motivated yourself, a lot of business leaders, they read. And and obviously this depending on your time and, and your focus on now, but Fatima, is there any books that you're reading right now that, that's helping you grow as a business leader? 
Yeah, so it's funny. One of my uh, passions outside of sales and, and business development is personal finance. I'm actually, I love anything to do with personal finance. So I'm actually rereading the second version of The Wealthy Barber, written by David Chilton. He had the first one that everyone knows about, but what most people don't know is he came out with a second revised version, which is even better than the first. So I really advise people to read that. I also read um, on a daily basis a, a personal finance blog by um, someone called Mr. Money Musk who basically retired at 30. Um, he was a software developer in the Valley and he retired at 30 because he's just very good with managing his money. Um, and, you know, I really respect people who are, have financial freedom and that's one of my goals. And I think that anything to do with personal finance, I'm all over that. Um, so I would advise people to, you know, check out his blog. And we also, our agency works with a business consultant called Carl Sachs, and he has this brilliant agency blog called, called Sachs and Company, and I read that every day religiously. Um, it's catered to people who work in the agency world, and especially for someone like myself who does agency sales, which sometimes can be very challenging, he, his advice has been invaluable. So, you know, those are the things, blogs and articles that I follow on a daily basis. You mentioned when it comes to time management, you're... It's balanced over life. So what's next for Fatima? What, what, what do you have your eyes set on now? Where are you going? So for the foreseeable future, my career is going to be with 88. I'm really excited to be working with this team and helping them scale. However, that being said, I'm also working on a business plan for my own company and my own side hustle. We're big believers of side hustles at 88 and almost everyone in this office has something on the side, whether it's an ice cream shop or, you know, an events company or a wine touring company, everyone is doing something on the side. And I uh, eventually hope to start my own thing and work towards my own dream. Very cool. So we'd be excited to hear more about that. And probably when you do launch, we'll need to get you back on the business leadership podcast to see how you transition from there. Really having a great fun, just learning. And I just feel the energy um, of, of you, Fatima. But before we end, I'd love to get your final thoughts, perhaps your recommendations, any observations that you could share to those, those young business leaders, sales professionals who are looking to grow their career. Yeah, absolutely. I have a few that I wish I had told my, my 18 year old self back in the day. I think fear of rejection and inability to put yourselves out there, you know, is very common. Um, making it hard to seek opportunities over and over again. And like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, don't take this rejection personally. Um, you will always get more no's than you get yeses. And this is standard across the board, unless you're the Richard Bransons of the world. Um, I think that it's important to remember that getting ducks in a row takes more than just simply commanding those ducks to line up. You have to give yourself a sense of purpose. You have to give yourself an end goal and then work persistently and tirelessly to achieve that with focus. I think it's also important to remember that when you find yourself in a situation where everyone looks at each other, it's time for you to lead. There's no initiation. There's no title. It's just a decision. So you sort of have to step up and make it happen or step aside. That's great. So to close, Fatima, please tell us some more where we could find information about you, 88, the conferences that you're part of. 
or just to follow what you're doing on the every day. <laughs> so on my social media handles, you can follow me. My Twitter handle is Zadie A. Fatima, and then Instagram, Facebook is the same. Uh, for You can go on my LinkedIn to see all of my links for my global segments and the articles that I'm writing. You could Google also Fatima Zadie, and most of my articles will come up. For 88, we have our website, 88agency.com, where you can see a ton of the work that we've been doing. And then DYPB has its own handles and its website. If you type in Discover Your Personal Brand, and um, our, our conference is happening August 11th and 12th. But until then, we have a ton of events coming up. Tune in next week for our Twitter chat. We have another webinar coming up. We have a speed networking event coming up. And you can find all of that information on their website. Awesome. And we'll be sure to share the links as well. But Fatima, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Show. Thank you for having me. This has been great. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the episode. Pretty amazing, right? Fatima, so passionate, so focused. I mean, you could just tell by the way she answers, speaks, and knows what she is looking to do now and in the future. If you're interested in learning more about Fatima, 88, and whatever she's up to, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 019. That is for episode 19. I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out directly to me via email. Send me a note to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. Let me know your thoughts, suggestions, how I can improve. And on that note, we are actually currently surveying our listeners. So if you haven't done so yet, please take a minute and visit our website. Click on the survey link found on the homepage. Thank you again. And until next time. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.